Hey, Life Church, thanks so much for tuning in today. We have a great opportunity to receive from another voice, someone who pours into me personally and who pours into the church corporately. Pastor Patrick Kiteley is with us. Uh, he is a member of our advisory team here at Life Church. He's an incredible communicator. More than that, he loves Jesus. He serves people, and we're really looking forward to this opportunity. So let's get to it. Be encouraged and get challenged this morning. Well, hello, Life Church. Patrick Kitely here. I am so excited to be sharing the word of the Lord with you here today. First of all, I want to bring greetings to you from my wife, Marlena, and our three kids. Our oldest daughter, Haley's getting married in a few months, and our son, he just is turning 18 in a couple days, and then our youngest, she's 10 years of age, and we're just having a great time. We still live in Atlanta, and uh, we're loving Jesus. Jesus. My parents are here with us and we're having a wonderful time. But I just want to send greetings to you, to Pastor Christoph, Pastor Tanya, the entire pastoral team, the leadership, the elders, and all the congregation of Life Church. We miss you so much and uh, so honored today to be sharing the word of the Lord with you. Today, I'm going to be sharing, I have a great title, it's called No More Cheese and Crackers. I know Pastor Christoph has been sharing a word with you recently about satisfaction. He's been preaching from the book of Philippians. Well, that's one of my favorite books, so I'm going to jump in and share maybe a different perspective, but I believe it's a word of God for you and for the house for this time. And so first of all, what I want you to do is I want you to make a prophetic declaration and say, I'm ready. Come on, somebody just say that right as you're watching this, say, I'm ready. I'm ready for a faith-producing, hope-building, love-growing, peace-giving, joy-increasing, heart-transforming move of God. I need a move of the Holy Spirit. And I just believe that in this time, we're in a time where we need the Holy Spirit like never before. We need the Holy Spirit to move in our lives, in our families, in our churches, in a mighty way. And so in this season, as we're talking about satisfaction, now you're moving even into a new series that I believe that this is a good bridge moment. There are bridge moments in time that bridges from one place to another in God. And I just believe that even in this nation that we are in a bridge moment. And we don't want to miss what God would do in this moment. He's changing hearts. He's changing minds. And he's not just doing it out in the world. He's doing it in the church. And I believe it begins in the church. What God would do in this land, heal this land, will come through God's people. And he's going to come through God's church. And so we want to be used by him to bring healing to many different people. But I'll tell you, let me, let me, let me start off with this story. There's a story of uh, a kindergarten teacher who asked uh, her students to draw a picture of anything they wanted to. And so there was a little boy in the room and he was drawing and he had a look on his face and he was real serious and he was making this, they're doing this drawing and the teacher just kind of went up to him and said, hey, what are you drawing? And without pausing, without looking up, he just said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And uh, the teacher smiled and she responded. And she said, well, nobody knows what God looks like. And the little boy just uh, put his crayon down and he looked her square in the eye. And he said to her, he said, well, 
after I'm finished drawing this picture, everybody's going to know what God looks like. Well, I just want to declare to you, Life Church, that in this time frame, in this season, that we're getting a picture of God, what God looks like and what God wants to do. It's a fresh picture. And I believe that God wants to reveal himself to us in a fresh way. And uh, that's why I want to share with you from about the Holy Spirit. And I want to share with you from the book of Acts and, and the whole story, the backstory, even behind the church in Philippi, the whole book of Philippians. And so even as we talk about the Holy Spirit, we realize that even in the book of Acts, let me start with the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, we realize that it's a book of the Holy Spirit. Jesus introed the Holy Spirit with the disciples before, but the book of Acts is when the Holy Spirit enters the scene. And the book of Acts is also the book of the rise of the church. And Jesus had promised the disciples, first of all, in the upper room, if you look at the upper room discourses of John, chapter 14 through 17, he said to them, he said, as you go forth, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you comfortless, but I'm going to send you a helper who is going to come and help you. Now, how many would say that in this time I need help? That's a good thing. That's a good place to come to. That's a great revelation and a great declaration. I need help. Imagine that God reveals himself to us as our helper. When you read Psalm chapter 121 verses 1 and 2, the scripture says, I will lift mine eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. From where my where does my help come from? From. My help comes from the Lord who is the maker of heaven and earth. He made all of this. My helper is the creator. He is the maker. And so I lift up my eyes. And can you imagine that God reveals himself to us as our helper? We need help. We must have help. We want help. You come to a place where you can no longer face this life without grace. Uh-oh, don't get him rhyming up in here. I come to a junction where I can no longer function without the unction. I need the Holy Spirit. And prophetically, I want to declare to you that we are in a supernatural help moment. The Holy Spirit is here to help us. And there are things that we're dealing with in the earth right now that just cannot stay the same. And so God comes and he says, I'm going to bring help. There are things that have been halting what God wants to do. There are things that have been delaying what God wants to do. There were things that would cause even us to forfeit what God wants to do. But the Holy Spirit comes to help when you need help. And so this is an amazing time. And we need to look at this time through the lens of opportunity. Because if we can rest in him, then the helper comes with the help. You know, there's a story I love, and I've told this story before of a little girl. Um, she was on a ship, and her father was the captain. And uh, when they went out to sea, there was a great storm that hit. And uh, the waves were tossing, and the boat 
that was rocking back and forth and people thought they were going to die. And so they went and checked in on this little girl and they woke her up and they asked her if she was afraid. And the little girl, um, she looked up and she just calmly asked the question, is my daddy at the wheel? And, um, And they said, yes, your daddy's at the wheel. Well, she said, if my daddy's at the wheel, then everything's going to turn out. And, uh, and it's amazing because that's the type of rest, that's the type of peace God wants to give us in this time. See, I got news for somebody right now. Everything is going to turn out. Why? Because our God is at the wheel. He's the one that's steering this. This is not out of control. There's a lot that's happening right now, but God is in control. He still has this. And so when we look at the book of Acts, let me talk about Acts, then I'm going to talk about Philippians and set this thing up because I believe God is up to something at Life Church. But when you look at the book of Acts, we realize, again, like as we said before, that this is the rise of the church era. See, I believe that we're in a moment where it's time for the church to rise. And so throughout this book, there are different churches that represent different things. There's what I would call the big five. There's the Jerusalem church where there was the initial outpouring. There's the Antioch church where we begin to learn about city taking. There's the Ephesus church where we see church multiplication. There's the church in Philippi, which is in Macedonia, which I'll talk more about. And then, of course, there's the church in Rome, which is actually settled in the center of the empire. It's the capital of the empire. And so the church in Jerusalem, we realized, was the foundation church. It was the church where we saw the establishment of the 12 apostles. We experienced the day of Pentecost. Uh, we saw the beginning of miracles, souls being saved, 3,000 on one day, 5,000 on another day. The church was expanding. There was great grace that was upon them. There was great power that was moving among them. But then all of a sudden we have what we call the dysphoria and there was persecution that came and it caused the church to begin to move from one location to different places in the earth. And it's amazing, by the way, what difficulty, what difficult experiences might do to us. Uh, We think maybe one era is over and God says, well, actually I have a new era. I gotta, this gospel must go forth to all the nations. And, and, And so the church, God was saying, basically the church can't just huddle in one place. You're called to touch all the different spheres of society, all the nations and cities of the earth. And so it was not the king's choice, it was God's choice. And in fact, it was the Holy Spirit who was pushing them, the church, from the shore out into the waters of the world. And so then, of course, came the Antioch church. And this is one of the key churches in the book of Acts. Um, in Antioch, you know, we, we can ask the question, can a church change a city? And the answer is, yes, it could. I mean, you imagine that um, for when the church first came, that the, the entire city, city was actually broken up into 18 racial or ethnicities in different parts of the city. It was divided. And so these 18 ethnic groups actually were living in 18 different sectors of the city, and they were all divided by gates. And so in the morning time, the gates would go up, the people would all work together in the city, but at 
at nighttime, the gates would go down and everyone would go to their locations. And so everyone, they learned to tolerate one another, but they didn't love one another. They didn't break bread with one another. But when the gospel arrived, the power of the gospel, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When the gospel arrived in Antioch, in one year, they removed the gates. Can you imagine that? The power of the gospel is so amazing. They began to worship together. The people began to to break bread together. And it did not just affect just a church. It affected the city. That's the power of the gospel. And so you have to ask the question, can a church change a city? The answer is yes, it can. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. Life Church will change the destiny, the trajectory, the atmosphere, the story, the perspective, and the direction of Williamsburg, of the region. Can I get an amen? And then you look at the church in Ephesus and you realize that this is when the beginning of a church multiplying movement out of Ephesus. Pastor Timothy was there. It was a church of about 25,000 people. And and out of that church, the seven churches of the book of Revelation came. And in two years, all of Asia Minor heard the gospel without Instagram, without Facebook, without media, television. There was nothing. Everybody heard the gospel. Can you imagine the power of the gospel? One year, a city changes. In two years, an entire region of uh, is hears the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then comes Philippi. And this is what I want to talk to you about today, because when you look in the book of Philippians and you've been talking about satisfaction, and we're going to get to this and hopefully put an exclamation part uh, point at the end of this. But when we look at Philippians, we realize that it's what I like to call the bumper sticker uh, T-shirt coffee mug uh, book of the Bible. I mean, you look at many of the verses in Philippians. Let me just break a few down. Chapter one, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter one, he said to live is Christ and to die is gain. In chapter two, he said, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. I keep going. Chapter three, he said, Paul said, what things were considered game to me, those I counted loss for Christ. He said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. He also said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In chapter four, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And of course he said, but my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory, uh, according to by Christ Jesus. And there's so many more other scriptures in Philippians. It's absolutely phenomenal. And uh, but 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 when you read when you read uh, Paul as he writes to even other books, uh, you know, like Galatians and Ephesians and different the Corinthians, especially, he'll he'll say, do this. And don't do that. He'll say, stop this. (laughs) Start this. 
And he's quit going there. Quit, quit, quit doing that. Uh, act like this. Get right. He's, he's using all this language. Be right. Get right. Act right. And, and, and apparently, as Paul wrote these churches, he felt like they, 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 they needed some work. They needed to work on some things. But when you look at the church in Philippi, you realize that this letter is different. Now, there were some minor things, some instructions that he gave and some minor issues that he dealt with, but it was really simple in comparison to uh, the other books. Uh, Philippians, I believe, is the best picture in the New Testament of what a maturing church looks like and what maturing people do. Can I talk to Life Church right here? And so we realize that Philippi, and let me give you some background here because I'm setting something up that's going to be so powerful, um, it's just going to blow you away. But you realize Philippi was in Macedonia. It was a city in the empire of Rome. It was a major metropolitan area, and it was located along a major commercial road for the Roman Empire. So you could imagine that this was a city of industry. This was a city of trade, intelligentsia. Uh, There were agriculturists, there were artists, there was government. This was a place of meetings, of conventions, of conferences in that time. In fact, Philippi was actually called Little Rome, and it was primarily made up of three people groups. And and, and now I'm getting into this. There were the Romans, who were the ruling governing class. There were the Macedonians, who were the working class. And there were what they called the Orientals, who were the business class. And so if you look at the makeup of Philippi, you realize that there were very few Jews and even fewer Christians. And so to me, when you look at this, this was great because this was an opportunity for the church to rise up and become a diverse community of believers. And they were not bound to some religious traditions and they weren't bound to any forms, but they were going to follow what they were taught in Christ Jesus without hindrance, and especially religious hindrance. And so how Paul did it was this. Let me let me let me let me tell you the story. When you go to the book of Acts, you realize that he saw a vision. And it's what we call the Macedonian call. And he had a dream or a vision. He had this vision where where there was this man from Macedonia who was calling Paul for help. And, and and so Paul took this vision and he, as a call, a spiritual call for him to go to this region. And so without hesitation, Paul, he took Dr. Luke, he took Silas, he took Timothy. And when they arrive in Philippi, they cannot find a synagogue and they cannot find a church. But what they do is they actually stumble upon this women's Bible study group. It was actually a Torah study group. And this, of course, shows, first of all, that there was a lack, there was no synagogue. And so there was a lack of Jewish presence in this major city. And also there was a lack of a Christian community in this city. And and, and so, so to me, I'm thinking, what a ripe territory for the gospel and the power of Jesus Christ to come upon the people. And so Paul, what happens is, is he, he, he just kind of stumbles upon this riverside Sabbath 
Bible study, this service. And there he meets this woman named Lydia. And Lydia is, and here you got to hear this because this is where we get going. Lydia is a businesswoman from a place called Thyatira. And when you look at the scripture, you realize that she is most likely ethnically Asian. And she's very wealthy. She owns homes in Thyatira and in Philippi. It's kind of like owning homes in, in LA and New York City. And uh, she, is, she is a leader in the fashion industry. In fact, the Bible says she is what we call a seller of purple. And so she is a CEO of her own fashion empire. And the Bible calls her a God fearer. She had re- re- rejected Gnosticism and polytheism and paganism. And instead, she was a worshiper of Father God, the God of the Jews, Yahweh, Elohim, Jehovah. She knew the Torah. She knew the, the books of the law, the five books of the Bible. She followed the Ten Commandments. And so when Paul shows up, with the rest of the story for Lydia, she is converted to the gospel. He begins to tell her from Abraham to Moses and David and so on that there was a son named Jesus and he tells the story. And what happens is, is Paul engages her intellect with the gospel of Jesus Christ and she is converted. Next, Paul meets a, a, a in Philippi, a little Greek girl. Um, and she's the opposite of Lydia. It's amazing how God will bring different people from different backgrounds and different experiences to create his church. And so you look at this story and you realize that she's impoverished. She is enslaved. She is being exploited. And when Paul meets this girl, she's screaming at the top of her lungs. And, and, and so after a few days, in fact, you read Acts and you realize that it says that Paul was getting annoyed with this, this girl because she was in the middle of their ministry trying to mess things up. And so in this moment, he doesn't just kindly invite her to church or to a small group. Um, and he doesn't try to appeal to her intellectually. He doesn't try to speak to her through reason. Uh, instead, she's in this irrational, demon-possessed state. And so Paul begins to act in the power of the Holy Spirit, and he rebukes and commands this mocking spirit to leave her. And he moves spiritually. With Lydia, he moved intellectually, but with this girl, he moved spiritually. You see, there was a contrast between them, but This was the ground of the church of Philippi. It was diverse. It was unique. It was ripe for the gospel. There were ministry that was taking place in different forms. There was literally a dream team forming in this place called Philippi. Also, Paul, after a while, you know, he was working in this city. He got into trouble. And he got in trouble actually for casting the demon out of this girl. 
And so what did they do? They beat him and they jailed him. And, you know, Paul was really meddling with their realms of business. And and when you touch the pockets, that's when persecution comes. That's another story. But so they take Paul, they take Silas, and you know this story very well. They lock them up in the Philippian jail. And as the scripture says, at about midnight, and I'm not here to preach about midnight, but it is the darkest time of the day, about midnight, the scripture says, Paul and Silas were praying and they were singing hymns to God and, and, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And as they were doing this, the Bible says that the earth shook and the chains fell off and the prison doors were open. And not only were Paul and Silas set free, but every single person in the jail was set free. And can you imagine that type of praise where you begin to praise God, where not only are you set free, but everybody in your proximity is set free. I'm gonna preach here right now. But the Philippian jailer was so afraid. He was so concerned, he actually decided to take out his sword and to take his own life. And, and, and at that moment, Paul stopped him and he took him home. And he, the Philippian jailer, and his whole entire household were saved at that moment. And so this is how the church in Philippi begins. Uh, an Asian businesswoman, a Greek slave girl, and a Philippian jailer. Now, maybe this is not how you would design a church, but this is how God's spirit works. It's again, it's diverse, it's powerful. And, and, and this is what later on when Paul wrote the, the book of Philippians, when he began to say, I yearn for you. He yearned for them because there was a backstory. This is what I'm talking about with Life Church. There is a backstory. There's people that are watching right now. You have a powerful testimony. My Bible says, says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. How many have a backstory and God takes your backstory and other people, excuse me, their backstory, and he brings all our stories together and he, he creates a place called Life Church. And in Life Church, the power of the gospel is seen because God touches people in different ways and, and in different times. And it's all a setup because the people that God's going to bring to the house, the people that the house is is going to touch in the spheres of the community are going to be touched through your experience. I got to tell somebody, you were healed to be a healer. You were delivered to be a deliverer. God has done a work in your life. Huh? It's been powerful. He's worked a work that works in your life. And so this church was birthed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's gathering by the Holy Spirit. And no man could assemble this group of people. When you all get back together in the church, you're going to look around and say, no man could have assembled this group of people. Uh, there are different types of people, different types of backgrounds, different types of expertise and experiences and, and perspectives. And that's 
a Holy Spirit formed church. You see, I believe that in life church, and I'm going to speak we, not just me as a guest, but we, because I'm part of you all, and I consider you family. My family considers you family. I believe that that's what God is doing in your church, is he's forming a church that's built on gifted, diverse, anointed people who've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. People who are going to touch spheres of business, of government, education, of the arts, entertainment, of media, of family, in the medical field, in every different sphere. You see, that's the hour that we're living in. That's what we're seeing in this time. And there are different spheres of influence in the earth. And the church is the only place on the planet where all the spheres come together on a weekly basis. I'm not talking about Chick-fil-A. I'm talking about the church because it's closed on Sunday anyway. (laughs) But that's why the Lydia's, the Greek slave girls, the Philippian jailers, the CEOs, come on somebody, the songwriters, the tellers, the artists, the the construction workers, the business people, sports people, government people, education people are all in one place called Life Church. God has brought you all together. Imagine this is what Life Church is. It's going to touch every single part of Williamsburg. Can I prophesy the word of the Lord to you? Can I declare it in your ear? Because Isaiah, he declared in Isaiah chapter 2 that in the last days that all All the spheres of influence, all the mountains of the world were going to come and flow to the mountain of the Lord's house. And at God's house, they were going to ask a question. Can you teach us of his ways? Can you teach us how to walk in his paths? Let's go to the mountain of the Lord's house. Let's go to life church. And so when I see the church in Philippi, When I see the church in Williamsburg, I see a church that touches every sphere of society. You see, there's more to this story. We've only just begun. There's a Holy Spirit strategy that he's bringing together. It's a design for our days. It's a design for the days of our lives. It's a design of the Holy Spirit. He's moving in this hour to reach out and to touch every sphere where you live, where you work, who you come in contact with. All of it is going to be touched from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what I love about the church is this. The church is made up of people that are a part of it. What do I mean by that? That's what makes the church. You make the church. You make life church, life church. This is powerful. And every single person does. And that's the beauty of this mosaic called life church. And it would not be what it's supposed to be without you. You are another unfolding of who we, life church, can I speak we again, (laughs) who we're supposed to be. And, and, And what you you bring to the house determines the destiny of the house. This is exciting, right? (laughs) Because right now the Holy Spirit is moving in this time and he's opening us our eyes to see what God would do in this time because there's more to your story. I know we've had some 
wild stuff that's gone on in this country in 2020. But let me tell you, we're coming into a new season. We're coming out with a new perspective. We're coming out with a new love and a grace for one another. And and, and, and it's going to be different than we've ever seen before. And so what God would do is he wants you to realize that there's more and he wants to activate it by revelation. Now, let me close with this story because this is a good one. There was a story of a man who decided to sell everything he had and immigrate to the United States of America. He was in Europe, and this was at the turn of the 20th century, and he barely had enough money to buy a ticket to get on the ship. And because he didn't have a whole lot of money left, before he left, he actually went to the store and he bought cheese and crackers so he could eat during his journey to the United States, which is going to take almost a couple weeks. And so every day he ate for breakfast, lunch and dinner, cheese and crackers, the same meal every single time. And so while he was eating, it seemed like everyone else on the ship was in the dining hall. And he could smell the aroma of lobster, of filet mignon, and other delicious foods in the buffet line at the in the ship's dining hall. And so he was getting tired of just eating cheese and crackers. And so on the sixth day of the journey, this man found the captain of the ship. And he went up to the captain and he said, listen, captain... I'll do anything you want. I'll clean dishes. I'll clean the bathrooms. I'll sweep floors. I'll anything, anything. If I could just have one opportunity, just one meal to eat in the dining hall. And the captain, he looked kind of perplexed at him. And he said to him, sir, maybe you didn't know this, but all of the meals are included in your ticket. You see, what a revelation right here. See, I got to activate something for somebody here. God did not call us to live, and I don't mind them once in a while, but not all the time, cheese and cracker lives. God wants you to know that meals are included with the ticket. God doesn't just have us, uh, you know, forgive us of our sins and, and when we become Christians and give us the Holy Spirit and say good night and good luck. He doesn't say bye-bye, see ya, <laughs> figure it out on your own. But God has given us the Holy Spirit so that our lives, as we live our lives, are not just going to be cheese and crackers. See, I got to tell somebody here that there's more. And that's what God's doing in this time. There's more for your life. There's more for this church. There's more for this city. And no more cheese and crackers. Uh, cheese and crackers, again, are fine, but but not all the time. And so what God wants to do is bring us into a revelation by his Holy Spirit that he's bringing us to a place beyond cheese and crackers. Crackers. 
triggers. There's an activation by revelation. You need to know what you have in God. And he begins to open up our mind. He begins to open up our, as we open up our hearts. And he wants to show us what he wants to do in us. He wants to do through us in this time. And we do not want to miss it. You see, I believe there's an anointing that God would release huh, over the church in Philippi. Excuse me, the church in Williamsburg. It's an anointing huh, where you're going to come together and you're going to see a move of God. And God's putting together a dream team. He's putting together a team huh, in, in the house that are going to do more than you've ever done before. We're not just doing church. Can I pep talk with you here? Can I just tell you as I close this time? We're not just doing church. We're not just going through the motions. But God in this time is actually anointing us with his Holy Spirit. And he's saying, guess what? There's more. Not just cheese and crackers. There's more. And I want to do it through you. That's what I'm doing in this time. And even in this season, as America's going through shifting and is going through shaking, it's a good thing, says the Lord. It's a powerful thing, says the Lord. And what I need to do is not just for the world to wake up, but I need the church to wake up and I need the church to see that we're called to be Philippi, that we're called to be diverse, that we are called to touch the community, that we are called to be a people who are not going to be held back by religion any longer. And I speak to religious modes, religious forms, and I say enough in Jesus name that in this time, this is a time of the Holy Spirit. And even before you even get back in the same building and worship together. You are going to experience in your family the presence of God moving in your house and in your life. God's going to speak to you and you're going to come out of this season greater and stronger and better and with a new attitude, with a new perspective. You're going to get this, baby. Come on now. This is a new season in God. And so right now, I just want to pray for you because this is no more cheese and crackers. I'm activate crackers. I'm going to activate with revelation, the church in this time. I'm doing a work. And so, Lord, I thank you right now for Pastor Christoph, for Pastor Tanya. I thank you for all the leaders of the house. I thank you for the people of the house. I thank you for the young people, the children of Life Church. And right now, Lord, I thank you that this is a season where you are releasing your power and your anointing upon the house by way of your Holy Spirit. You've brought us together. And Lord, we see more people are coming coming. Souls are coming to the house. And this is going to be the greatest year that Life Church has ever experienced. And so we declare that, we prophesy that, and we just declare the blessing of the Lord upon the house. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Love you. I send love for my family. We hope to see you real soon. Take care.